Hello, and welcome to episode 72 of Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Ebling. Warmer weather is on its way, and along with mosquitoes, people anticipate the arrival of a new batch of movies based on beloved comic book heroes. For this episode, we're going back 15 years to rewatch one of Guillermo del Toro's entries into the comic book movie canon, Hellboy. We're both fans of del Toro's work, but aren't as familiar with this side of his filmography as we are with his artsier films. And with the new reboot, we wanted to see how del Toro's vision holds up. Hellboy was not all that successful when it was released in 2004, not even earning back its $66 million budget in the States. Critics were mostly positive, with del Toro's undeniable filmmaking prowess elevating the movie above some of its comic book-based predecessors. Other than the stereotypical bickering about its fidelity to the comics, people have more or less let this sleeping dog lie. With the reboot, people have been debating more over whose on-screen vision is more true to the comics, but Nate and I haven't really read the comics, so sorry, that conversation won't be happening here. But does capturing the spirit of the comic even guarantee that it's a good movie? Or should this movie just get the hell out of here? You get it? it right, it's in the title. Right, hell. Hell boy. Keep listening. fed six times a day. He's got a thing for cats. He'll be his nanny, his keeper, his best friend. He never goes out unsupervised. Who? I hate those comic books. They never get the eyes right. Yeah, 60 years old by our count, but uh, he doesn't age like we do. Think reverse dog years. He's barely out of his 20s. What would your hair, Clay? That was uh, our audience surrogate, Agent uh, Myers, meeting, uh, kind of getting his new assignment, which is caretaker, I, I guess. I guess, nanny. For or... Hellboy, yeah. Right. I mean, he's an FBI agent chosen because he's really good at FBIing, but a lot of his duties include feeding hellboy which is a lot of food he eats a lot yeah well it makes sense he's a he's a big dude yeah and he's a demon he's a demon which i guess we don't really know the way that demon digestion works no, we i don't. mean it could be that demons are huge and eat very little food now is he a demon i bet there's somebody who knows hellboy and they're like oh my gosh he's not a demon i my understanding was he was a demon that's what i thought too Maybe the comics have a different name for it, but you know, for for all intents and purposes, I think He's demon. A demon. Yeah, is, this is, is to make it accessible yeah. to the the lay lay occultists. Um, so yeah, Hellboy is in in society it has sort of been a rumor like Bigfoot, UFOs, sorts of things. Bat so, Boy, remember Bat Boy? Bat Boy, we yeah, were, from all uh, the uh, what was, was that, that like Weekly called? World News or something yeah, like that? Right. And so this is, not only is Agent Myers getting his new assignment, but he's also kind of coming to the realization, wow, Hellboy is real. He does exist. Yeah. I cannot hear that phrase, I don't think, without thinking of the Eminem's? Christmas Eminem commercial. Yes, he does exist. They, they do, do exist. exist. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, got the new Hellboy coming out, which right. so far, not, not good reviews. Not looking good. Not looking well, good. And I, it sounds weird. It's like, I looked into it some, it's rated R, and it sounds right. like it is absurdly gory i like david harbour like in stranger too, things yeah. i thought actually when when 
when I had heard that they were remaking it and I had not seen Hellboy, right. but I did know Ron Perlman was in it. And I was like, just thinking, I'm like, who could possibly do something Ron Perlman-esque? Yeah. Maybe yeah. That, it wasn't a far stretch, choice. you know, yeah. it wasn't, to me, it was like a different choice, but not a huge stretch, yeah. you know? Now, have you seen, did you look much into the new Hellboy? Not a ton. I just, I kind of quickly at glanced at like the Google trailer News. Or anything? Yeah, I saw the trailer skimmed through some of the Google News headlines, and it mm-hmm. seemed like unanimously bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. It just looks like they're just trying to make it like way more adult. Even the look of Hellboy is more like, um, is the movie Legend? Yeah. Like the dev- the devil from that, where it's like, rawr, okay. like a lot more hardened and right. demon-y. Yeah. Whereas I feel like Ron Perlman's looks way more comic book-y. Right. And smoother and everything, but like... I don't know. And I also think that uh, reading a little bit more about Del Toro's Hellboy, I could see a lot of disappointment in the fact that this was originally supposed to be a trilogy and that Del Toro has pretty much given up on the chance of that even happening at this point. And yet they were able to finance a brand new Hellboy. Like to me, that even seems like if you were a fan, that would be a real shame. Like, it's not like people disliked these originals. Right. Especially the people who were going to uh, potentially go see another Hellboy. Yeah. And yeah. so I think there will always be sort of a sense of, well, what what could have been if they would have just let Del Toro make his third movie as opposed yeah. to rebooting it into this thing that... Yeah. Was anybody even really asking for it? Right, right. <laughs> if it, yeah, it seems like if anybody was asking for anything Hellboy, it was to complete the trilogy. Yeah, let's finish it out. Like, yeah. There wasn't enough swearing and blood. Right. Now, to be fair, well, from what I understood, part of the reason why Del Toro has kind of dropped it is because his ideas were so big and Pearlman is getting to be of an age where they actually thought, I don't think Ron Perlman can actually pull this off anymore. And Ron Perlman himself was even like, I don't think I can physically do this anymore. Interesting. That's too bad. Yeah. Um, Well, we'll get into what we think of Ron Perlman as Hellboy and uh, what, uh, whether or not we think Guillermo del Toro should have been given another shot. But, uh, so you had never seen this. Nope. I had. Okay. I didn't know anything about Hellboy. When you uh, saw it. R- well, before I saw it, it sounded stupid. I was like, this is a dumb thing. It's and then, kind of a dumb name. When, uh, right. Uh, apart from everything else you may know about it, if you just heard there's a thing, comic book, movie, Maybe whatever, Hellboy. called yeah, Hellboy. Hellboy. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't really draw me. Yeah. And then somebody I know said, basically, like, do you know anything about Hellboy? When I was like, oh, Hellboy, when they said they liked the movie. And I was like, I don't. And they're, they were like, well... He's works for the government. He's this demon that the Nazis tried to drum up, but the Americans got a hold of him. And I was kind of like, oh, yeah, that actually sounds, sounds pretty cool. interesting. <laughs> and so all I had heard was that premise briefly. So I was like, all right, I'll watch it. And I remember liking it. I haven't rated it on Letterboxd. I just saw it the once. It was a long time ago. I don't even know when I saw it. And uh, I remember it being unique. I remember it being fun, but then I'm kind of skipping ahead to my rewatch. I realized I hadn't really remembered much at all okay. of the movie. I couldn't remember a thing about the plot. I couldn't remember, like things were happening. And I was like, so you had a vague I don't idea this. of yeah. an idea of your memory. of Yeah. Hellboy. I had a yeah. feeling about a memory, and, <laughs> an impression maybe. Yeah. yeah. And That's it, interesting that you hadn't even read it on Letterboxd because you were definitely sure you had seen it. Like yeah. when we when we talked about doing the movie, you you definitely, you know, knew you had seen it, and right. I think even 
I didn't know what your positive. thoughts. Right? I didn't know what your mm-hmm. exact thoughts were on it, but it, you seem to be, you know, someone who liked it. Yeah, and I did like it, I guess, but I don't remember it. Yeah, because I even said to like Kelsey, my wife, I was like, "Well, you may actually like Hellboy because I remember it being different." Yeah. So and how about this? Like halfway through, she's like, "You thought I would like this?" And I was like, eh, "I didn't remember it." <laughs> All right, well, don't get too ahead of things, but maybe what would you? I'm not going to say what what go back and think about what you would have rated it, but more like what would you have rated your memory of it, I guess. My memory or, probably would have been out like of five stars, I guess. Four, just like okay. I thought it was fun. Like I'm not going to necessarily hold you to that, yeah. but like that was your general feeling right. of like that was my feeling of Hellboy was yeah. four, I, four I, or five. I, when I looked it up in Letterboxd, I expected to have rated it and I expected it to be around a four. On the rewatch, I'd say it's two and a half, three. Okay. How about you? Best buds? I don't know. (laughs) I was going to say three, but a solid three. Like, there's really no talking me up on that. Yeah. Um, You mean like a a set three? Yeah. Yes. Like three out of five. Three out of five being, to me, I rate three-star movies as those are okay movies. Yeah. Didn't hate it. Didn't necessarily like it. It was okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and, and if I'm seeing it in its time, yeah. like let's say I'm seeing a movie that's in the theater right now yeah. and I go and I see it and it's okay. I feel like I didn't waste money. I didn't yeah. waste time, uh-huh. but I don't ever need to see that movie again. Yeah. And I don't think it's that important. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at with Hellboy. So I'm a little kind of like, okay, let's, I think we should definitely talk about why we feel that way as far as like what the problems are with the movie, what's yeah. good about it and all that. But I would like to maybe throw out, and then we might have to throw it to our listeners. Like what is it that makes this movie important or worth keeping in the discussion yeah. of whether it's comic book movies, whether it's just action movies, uh, whether it's just like special effect movies, uh-huh. you know, I think there are things about it that I did like, are those things good enough to make this movie something that needed to go beyond 2004. Yeah. You know? All right. So wait, okay. How about this? Let's usually when we don't know where to start, we kind of start with the positives. Yeah. And I would like to know for you, before you even jump into positives on the rewatch, what do you think it was that you at the time liked about it? Something connected with you. No, it's hard to say because when I watched it, it was probably like 2008. 2007 and like the marvel movies hadn't really taken off Mm -hmm. yet like the x-men movies had been around this was around the time of because i was reading up on this a little bit trying to put it in context this is around the time of like spider-man 2 Uh uh-huh so right yeah you're right before we really get into marvel but there were sort of like other superhero movies that were starting to trickle in a little bit um hellboy is a unique character in that context, like back then, mm-hmm. um, I think I remember it being funnier than it is. And maybe it was funnier than other superhero movies at the time. It's definitely like comic book funny. I think it's visually impressive in a, a way. In my memory, it had a lot of energy and it was unique. Um, and I don't know if that's just because of the time that I saw it in. Because watching it now, I don't feel like there's really an energy or much right. unique to it. I wasn't even that big of a Del Toro fan at the time. Um, I had seen Pan, Pan's Labyrinth before I saw this. So like, 
I definitely had an awareness of Guillermo right. del Toro. But to be clear, Pan's Labyrinth did come out after this. You're just saying within the time right. that you saw it, yeah. you'd already seen Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Okay. So I don't even know if I was connecting with it on like a Guillermo del Toro level. It's hard to say. It's really hard to say. Yeah. Um, it was just like you, like you said, an impression that I had. Because I wonder if a little bit of what's happening is just being mildly surprised that it was as good as it was. Yeah, yeah. And say, and then that I think that kind of lends it a, maybe even a little bit more, in hindsight, some more admiration maybe it deserved just because yeah. your experience was, yeah. hey, that actually wasn't nearly as bad Horrible. as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And there were actually some things I liked about it. And I'm coming at it from a point of being a Guillermo del Toro fan right. and bringing in a lot of, I want to see like what makes this special and kind of being a little disappointed yeah. that there are... Plenty of Del Toro touches in this yeah. that I love. Mm-hmm. They're great, but they don't have a lot to do with how good the movie is as yeah. far as the story and, and even the characters. I might just be coming at it, and maybe it sounds like you are now on the rewatch from a different direction of like, all right, yeah. you got a little bit more. I need to see a little bit more here. <laughs> and it's Well, it's interesting because I saw Hellboy 2 in theaters, and I was excited about it. Like I remember being excited about it. And that has a lot more of like, classic del toro creature design monster design yeah um like it almost seems like on that one on on hellboy they were like you know they let him do some design stuff but then with hellboy 2 it was like yeah you do whatever you want we've mm-hmm. seen pan's labyrinth now because that had come out between hellboy and hellboy 2 okay it's just way more of a guillermo del toro movie almost to the point that i wonder if that's why he didn't get to finish the trilogy because it was like you're really stepping away from Hellboy-ish sure. stuff. I don't know because I didn't read the comics, so right. I can't say whether that's true or not. I do wish for this podcast that I would have had time to see Hellboy 2 because that does seem to be when I read articles about Hellboy that a lot of people thought Hellboy 2 was an improvement even on Hellboy, but I didn't see it, so I can't speak to that at all. Um, um, so positives for this this time watching it. I mean... The the stuff that like the creature design is great. Uh yes. Uh oh, you don't think I, so. No, Hellboy's Hellboy as the character, Ron Perlman's Hellboy yeah. is great. Yeah. Um You don't think Abe Sapien is great? Yeah. Oh yes. Sorry. Uh I meant to say on the protagonist side, yes. Okay. Because Abe Sapien is great. Uh-huh. I mean I, I mean in fact, of course, for me, having never seen Hellboy, immediately I think Shape of Water right. when I see that. Including it's like, like eating whoa, eggs. Yeah. 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 And I mean, even I mean, it's it's the same guy, even. It's it's right. uh, Doug, Jones. Doug, Doug Jones, you know. The protagonist side of this movie, uh, absolutely. Like great del Toro creature mm-hmm. uh design. I mean, there's just a texture to his mm-hmm. creatures that is unmatched, mm-hmm. you know. I was even looking at like with the Hellboy character, like when you look closely at where he like shaves off his horns, you know, mm-hmm. there's just like this tactile texture to it. That, yeah. And maybe we'll link to it in the show notes. I watched a, a video of a, a guy explaining how Del Toro views creatures. And that's the thing is we're in an age where anything is possible on film. So it's really hard to be wowed. You just yeah. have to be wowed by the very fine details of everything. Yeah. You know, I mean, down to the point that, Ron Perlman's skin doesn't look like makeup. Like it, right. And we have a lot of close-ups. And that's, you know, that's something else that maybe we'll get into. There's a real exploring of the emotion of the characters mm-hmm. that the creature design and the execution of that design is so flawless that 
all the emotion comes through, mm-hmm. which is why The Shape of Water was a successful movie and right. not just a weird like fish sex movie. Right. And I and I couldn't believe Shape of Water was able to be pulled off. Yeah. And you know, it, when you it was exactly as you said, a fish sex movie. Yeah. <laughs> you were like and it works to me even better than some of the best stuff that you see. Andy Circus, great motion. He does great work stuff, too yeah. with motion capture, but his creatures that he does are never are still. I mean, they put a lot of detail into that CGI. But I just think that there is something that is unmatched with just at the end of the day having a physical human being in right. a suit, which you would think would be the cheesy way to go. Right. But there's something about the way Del Toro does it where it actually enhances the uniqueness of the creature. Yeah. Part of the reason why Doug Jones works is just because of his physical body. It's a straight, yeah, He's it's a, a really tall a common He's a really tall and very skinny person. And so they can actually put layers of costume on him and it doesn't look like a big suit. There is a human doing something within that creature. The actors are reacting to something physical, not yeah. a, not some not, not just like not tennis pole, balls on a right, stick, yeah. you know. And so the way you you entered that portion of the conversation leads me to believe you don't see the villain side as having no, effective. I, I think design. the villains are pretty forgettable, and mm-hmm. even like the big mm-hmm. monster that keeps kind of replicating itself. Yeah. I couldn't tell you now, like exactly what that really looks like or what what's yeah. what's kind of creepy about it, or it's I, all just in my mind. It's already in my mind, kind of a vague impression. Yeah. Like, and the Rasputin thing is kind of a fun historical thing, yeah. you know. But I didn't think the movie even really tied it all that well to like how I is this connected to the be real where Rasputin? The comic does a lot you know. better at that. Um, but yeah, I had even forgotten the the monster that replicates itself, and to the point that I was like. Oh, he fights this monster in the museum. I forget what the monster is later. And then it's like, that's the monster throughout the movie. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's effective in that when you do get those close-ups of it, it's an unsettling creature. You know? Yeah, I mean, I just mean as far as like, when it comes to a Del Toro movie, I, ex- I would expect the creatures to be memorable. Yeah. And I, I think that he kind of has those qualities in the villain side of the creatures that you know, um, make it lifelike and make it like better than CGI. I'll put it Uh that way. But the actual characteristics of the creature itself to me are just, they're kind of blah. Yeah. Except for if, I mean, at least for me, the Nazi gas mask wearing the knife guy. Yeah. Just seeing him without the mask and with the eyelids cut off and the lips cut off and everything. Mm. And then like the, classic del toro clockwork stuff the more like steampunk kind of stuff exactly yeah as a concept it's a pretty cool concept in execution it's a really scary visual not just like the gas mask is kind of scary cool but once all that stuff is off and you see his scars and you see like Mm. how empty his body is and like the fact that he kind of bleeds dust Mm. and all that like i think it's really cool and gross yeah like, no yeah effective. now you're now that you're kind of like i kind of i think i kind of forgot a lot of that stuff that's, and i didn't that's, watch that's, the movie that long thing. ago i know that's a weird thing i watched it like a couple days ago yeah. and i feel like i've already just forgotten a lot of this movie that's such a weird thing because now that i bring it up you're like oh yeah that was that was cool that was cool <laughs> but not cool enough for me to be like oh i mean it's not pale man cool like yeah, oh where my, i'm like yeah. I'm never going to forget that. Right. And movies will never forget that. You know, like that's going to be in montages. And right. Stuff. 
But and, it's, I mean, it's hard to ex- expect a director to do that every single time. Right. And you know, I also, I, I, I mean, to his credit, he didn't make the reveal of that character's unmasked, unarmored body as dramatic as the Pale Man. Like, it's just, true. yeah. here's where it is. And, you know, very like Halloween-ish moment where he sits up with the sheet, uh, with, mm-hmm. the, with the plastic sheet over his face still. And like, just a lot of creepy horror stuff mm-hmm. that's like got an extra edge to it i think the the scene the visual scene where rasputin comes out of the blood i think that's a really striking scene where the blood fills like the pools and it's so vividly red and then just that sort of labyrinth kind of thing and it's because it's so signature and he's so good at it it's striking it's good it Mm -hmm. works really well in that scene but i don't remember who the guy was who died I don't remember how they got there. I don't remember why Rasputin disappeared in the first place, why they're bringing him back. I I think you're just not really like. I think you're really hitting on the really monumental weak points of this movie, which I think we should maybe table for just a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I mean, that's what makes this movie almost hard to watch and hard to talk about is that you see those Del Toro touches that are so great, but they don't seem to quite add up to a great del toro movie yeah and i think it has to do with everything that's not in those moments with those touches yeah that are so weak but before we get to that i mean i was really actually with this movie mm-hmm. for a while like yeah. probably about till about the at least the halfway point mm-hmm. i liked the sort of general tone it seemed to be striking at least yeah. in the beginning where it was almost like to me this might be inaccurate but it seemed like almost like Tim Burton meets Indiana Jones mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. there was a gothic feel to it but definitely an Indiana Jones thing going yeah. on and not just because they were Nazis I just mean even with like the score yep. and the way it was kind of building up with the sort of religious overtones that and were kind sort of, of the, the the vibe yeah. sort of the vibe of Hellboy right. it's very like above this but like interested in it and invested, but also detached yes, a little bit. Yeah. And, and that pulpiness, I was like, that's a great idea to take what's great about, and Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of my all-time favorite movies. Mm-hmm. So not a hard sell if it's going to be like Indiana Jones, just kind of taking these vague spiritual ideas and kind of rooting them in history. Mm-hmm. And also like, it's always got to be Nazis in World War II because yeah. it's a history where it's evil and good. So yeah. clearly- <laughs> I thought that was an interesting other, you know. interesting wrinkle to say that Hitler's rise to power was because he was in league with Satan. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That does help make history feel like it makes more sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I, was, I, I was very much with all that and thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's almost like when the movie has to, it's got its obligation to the plot, mm-hmm. that that's when the movie sort of loses its momentum. Yeah. Well, and the specifics of the plot, which we'll get into, they don't make a whole lot no, of sense. They don't. I think you're starting with a good premise. Yep. And you're setting it in a really good context, you know, Nazis and all that stuff. But to get the story moving, it seems like this has a lot of trouble. It's hard any comic book adaptation's got a lot of work to do because comic books really are more like TV shows in the they're amount, definitely serialized. They're serialized in the amount of time that they're able to take to develop anything if it wants to. Like it could start a character arc and take it over the course of several issues. It could take a plot and carry it over the course of several issues. Mm-hmm. It can 
make one issue be really plot-based, or it could choose to, at any point, take an issue and make it just part of a bigger story. And so for a movie like Hellboy, especially any origin story movie that has to set up the character's origins and give us enough time to feel like we understand and have seen the character change and put that in any sort of story, not knowing whether this is going to be part of a trilogy or anything, it's so difficult. In 2004, though, there wasn't any precedent like the 22-movie Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. There wasn't any precedent like TV that we have nowadays that's willing to give a story time like this. There was no Game of Thrones. There was no, even some of the Marvel TV shows uh, on Netflix that had sort of said like, yeah, you are allowed to really take your time with this. You're allowed to make a really long movie in order to do what you need to do. He had to do all this in two hours. And I think that that's where it's context, it's historical context enlightens why some of its flaws are there because audiences weren't ready for a movie to do what this movie would right. need to do to be better. And studios weren't ready to give the money and time to let it do that. Not that I want to see it, but he could have added an hour to this movie and he could have gotten rid of the, the main plot entirely because I think too, that that's one of del Toro's strengths is finding the humanity in anything, mm -hmm. especially in monsters. Yeah. You're almost talking about what we would eventually see in Shape of Water. Right. Because in that movie, there is a plot, sort of. Basically, yeah, free this guy. <laughs> right. But what's interesting about something like Shape of Water is, I'm trying to remember if there was an origin story, it really wasn't that big for Shape of Water as far as how that creature came about or no. where it came from. Right. It didn't seem as interested with it. Right. And it seemed like with Hellboy, maybe because it was trying to be loyal to the comic book or because it was setting itself up to be something that was a series, it seemed like they spent a lot more time on the origin, I guess. There's a lot of just kind of... Um, machinery happening here of just getting you set up with this is how Hellboy works, this yeah. is how this world works. And even the world isn't consistent with itself. And that's what's so infuriating. Yeah. Like, well, and what's interesting and unique about this movie, and it's sort of funny to me that I thought that this movie was unique and had an energy, because what's unique and compelling to me about this movie uh, on the rewatch is actually the movie's really laid back attitude. Mm-hmm. Like when we're kind of just hanging out with Hellboy or yeah. Hellboy's attitude approaching a fight and even during a fight. And that then is probably why when the movie feels so obligated to enter into the plot. Taking the fun away? Is that it, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like killing the mood. Yeah. And where I am digging this movie as far as the fun of it is is really just watching Ron Perlman. That's another plus for me with the movie. Yeah, I think it would have been hard for a lot of different actors and directors to get the cookies and milk on the roof scene. I didn't think that scene right. worked. Really? I thought it sucked. Ron Perlman with the kid? I didn't like that. I, like I really that. didn't like that. I, okay. My mom baked him. She's laughing. Hmm? She's sitting on a park bench and she's laughing. <sighs> That's it. I'm done. They don't look like spies. Are you kidding me? 
Look at this guy. Those shady little eyes, that phony grin. Are you gonna eat that? No. Hey, he's yawning. He's bored. Yeah, the old yawning trick. Watch his arm. He wants my job, he wants my girl. I can see that. I don't know. There was something funny about it. Maybe that's maybe this is why it's bad because this is all the joke is. But there's something about this demon being just like so stereotypically anxious and like overthinking a relationship. Somebody who can like walk into a fight and see a demon or like this hell beast and just be like, okay, fine, let's do this. But somebody who then like agonizes over like, what's happening in this conversation. Mm -hmm. I think, for for one thing, I mean, this is jumping around a little bit. The love triangle doesn't work because no scene with Myers works. He's awful. But I thought the whole love thing was a little forced in to begin with. And I actually found out that it actually was. Was, Like, it wasn't part of the comic. Del Toro wanted it. And the only reason he wanted it which is to me like kind of a sign that Del Toro is a guy who works with great images and and visuals. He wanted that scene of them kissing, kissing and her on fire, and her on and fire, him. and him the only one who could not be burned because he's a demon. Yeah, he loved that idea so much that he built an entire love triangle around yeah. just that image. Yeah. Okay. If if it fit, it would have fit. To me, it was pretty obvious it did not fit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I and now that you say that, I would have much rather have seen none of the agonizing and all of the interplay of a woman who's as capable and as smart and mm-hmm. as sharp as she is, more calling Hellboy on his BS rather than being a reason that he is like in anguish. I. And maybe it was just because I felt like I was watching something that, um, you know, it, it held up okay, but it seemed a little dated. I was like, this feels like I'm watching like Ross from Friends, mm. like talk to a kid about his yeah. problems with Rachel, you know, like yeah. just kind of like this goofy, if, there's clumsy. There's something kind of funny about it being a demon, like, yeah. like taking Ross from I'll, Friends, but making him a demon. I'll grant you this. Only Ron Perlman could make it so that that scene did not automatically end up on the cutting room floor. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like if anyone was going to sell that scene at all yeah. to where it didn't need to immediately be cut, yeah, it would be Ron Perlman. Yeah. Now, I will also say that the one-liners are so stale that even Ron Perlman can't really sell them. <laughs> They're just so like stayed and like they just had a action hero one-liner Rolodex and they were like, all right, we're going to use this one. <laughs> Are you talking about like when he says second date, no tongue? That was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like red means stop when he tries to like get the car to stop. No. Or I'm going to be sore in the morning. <laughs> I'm fireproof. You're not. Okay. So what I wondered with some of that stuff, is it is it coming from an homage towards like action hero one-liners or is it coming from more of a throwback to noir yeah, I don't and, know. And I don't know. It could be both, right? It could I mean, be. Del Toro, I would imagine, is more. I would imagine. Because I'm thinking be even like cinematic. Dick Tracy and like some of those things that are like, they are cheesy yeah. one liners. Yeah. 
But if he's making a reference, maybe it's not overt enough for the audience to really see it as anything more than just actually just cheesy dialogue. Yeah, I would I would tend to think that it's probably more a noir reference with the cigar, with the trench coat, yeah, yeah. with uh, the brooding. Maybe if you would have had him say AC ain't in charge no more. <laughs> you would have gotten it. I would have, yeah. But it's, uh, if you start thinking about it that way, it becomes a lot more interesting, but also it becomes a lot more like, oh, why? I wish he could have done more with it. There's a lot that he's doing sort of like, what if fill in the blank was a demon? Sure, yeah. Like, what if one of those hard-boiled, cynical, noir detectives was a demon? So when a fight comes across his path, he's not like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. He's just like, Ugh. all right, here we go let's again. Let's do this one. Yeah. Look at them ugly suckers, Blue. One sheet of glass between them and us. Story of my life. <sighs> outside, I could be outside. You mean outside with her? Don't get psychic with me, fella. Nothing psychic about it. You're easy. How am I ever going to get a girl? I drive around in a garbage truck. Liz left us, Red. Take the hint. We don't take hints. He doesn't really want to be doing it. And that's really interesting. And I feel like it, it could have been explored more. If this could have been more episodic, just like... They're going out and doing these things. And sure, there would have to be some... You could either say like, yeah, this is a world where that stuff happens, mm-hmm. you know? That's essentially Batman, right? right? I right. mean, like, villains just come. You don't need to know exactly where they came from necessarily. Right. Maybe yeah. if it's interesting, you'll find out later. Right. But it could also just be interesting that Gotham City is uh, in peril. Yeah, I mean, just Rasputin is, is, is a cipher as a... He's a nothing. Like It feels like there are no stakes surrounding him. And I just wish the movie could have just spent more time with Hellboy and much more interplay between him and Abe, because Mm -hmm. that would have been a fantastic dynamic. And if either Liz had been more of a femme fatale, like something, Mm -hmm. like gone more whole hog with everything as a film noir thing, just fit more things into that box and sort of explored with that a little bit. It's just the way that superhero movie audiences were at the time. It was just like, wish the movie could have been made 15 years later. Yeah, I think you're right, because I do think there's a little bit going on here of uh, Del Toro's vision being compromised a bit Mm -hmm. uh, by what the studio thought people could take at the time. Maybe. I mean, that's we don't know that for sure. No, but but I do know in one of the areas where I actually for sure was just confused, I did find out later that Del Toro... I don't know if he was apologizing for it or if he was just kind of trying to explain that his vision was different. Mm -hmm. What I could not understand with this movie is like, okay, is he like a Bigfoot or is he not? Because like you definitely explicitly hear that at the beginning that like people don't really know if he really exists. And we even played it in the clip with like Myers who didn't know if he exists, but like he doesn't hide himself very well when he's right. out fighting. And now you've got like swarms of people who have seen him do these things and he's destroyed lots of property. Is this the first time that he's is this done the, that? Right. Like, but it doesn't make it seem like that's the no, case. It, it seems doesn't. like this is someone who's like, like you said, that's them playing our song. Like he goes out and does this regularly when Broom, who's like his, you know, surrogate father dies. There's a funeral scene and he's just like standing on top of a bridge in the wide open. Like no one's going to look up and just see this like demon right there and be like, oh, Hellboy, I guess he exists. (laughs) Like, I guess we're just supposed to go with the fact that like 
yeah, every time they get a picture of it, it's blurry. And they just don't trust anybody who says they've seen him. There just didn't seem to be a consistency to that. And I found out, like, after reading a little bit, that, like, Del Toro had this idea of wanting to have, throughout the entire movie, just testimonies of people saying they had seen the Hellboy. And, like, just more playing with this idea that you kind of saw a lot in, the in like, at least the first Batman movie. Yeah. Of, like, this idea of the mythology of the Hellboy. The mythology of Hellboy, as far as, like, what the city thinks or what the world thinks is like almost like an obligatory. Yeah. We'll touch on that a little bit. Yeah. We don't really want to spend any time there. Yeah. And it's like, but if you don't spend time there, I'm not understanding this world you're in. Right. You know, because it seems like they're, the whole society is pretty obsessed that like a late night talk yeah, show, they're making comics about them. Right. You know, and that the late night talk show would devote a guest spot to somebody right. and like trying to talk this. Sighting. There, that's the, uh, that's the tail, and uh, these are the horns. I have a question. Why is it in these pictures, the pictures of aliens, UFO, the Yeti, uh, Hellboy, why is it they're always out of focus? Why don't you tell us about the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense? I want to tell you, I want to tell the American public uh, one thing. Now, this Bureau for the... Um... Paranormal Research and Defense. There is no such thing. Also, like, is it just Hellboy that people mythologize about? Or are there these other creatures, like the Abe Sapien character? Like, yeah, do, the people just, know do people just not see him at all, but they see Hellboy once in a while? It was just interesting that for an origin story movie, I got so little origin. Even, like, with Selma Blair's character, Liz. Yeah. No origin for her. She's just, I guess, just another person who's weird. Yeah. But yeah, like, yeah, why yeah. is she weird? Does she come from this world? Is yeah. she like born this way? If she's born this way, is that something that happens in this world? People are born with yeah. weird powers. Yeah, like, yeah. where'd that come from? And then also, even if you were to explain where it came from, she just starts setting things on fire when she gets mad or excited. I don't understand later on when she's like, hit me. Like, why is you hitting her? gonna like trigger flames is it because you're scared is it because you're angry like i couldn't even figure out like what was the linchpin that made her be able to know that she was going to sense something seemed like strong emotions because because in the in the schoolyard scene it's that she's getting scared she's being bullied yeah but if she's telling a guy to hit her it's not that's not gonna scare you right it's not even gonna make you it's not even gonna make you angry right (laughs) That's not the way to trigger that. Like, Unless it's like those light-up shoes. <laughs> you, you got to shake it. I don't know. Yeah. Like, was it not the emotion? It was like the rock hitting her that made her do it. Yeah. But then in the end, she's kissing. So it does seem like there's some strong emotions. You're right. I don't know why she has powers. And it does mean different things. If that's just something that happens in this world, then that's got something else to unfold. It's a movie that stays very insular within just its characters. Okay. And that's fine. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Yeah. But I need to have a little bit better understanding of what's going on outside of that. Because for instance, the museum scene. Yeah. For some reason, Abe Sapien needs to like do some kind of telepathic thing to figure out that a whole slew of guards was like slaughtered. Well, that's another question. Who knew to call, serve, like, secretly this, like, paranormal group? Right. Who at the museum recognized what was happening as paranormal and had the wherewithal to... Go through the chain of command. Right. To- and not 
calling 911, not just freaking out. Like, so then that would imply, unless there's just a major plot hole, it would imply that this is something people know about. And if it is something people know about, why would Jeffrey Tambor be on TV denying it? And why wouldn't they just tell people about Hellboy? And there's not even an attempt to kind of show or explain like how the world is going to make sense of what they just saw. You know, like right. it's like there's this there's these big action scenes in the middle of cities. There are tons of people who just saw these monsters. Yeah. But then the next scene just cuts to them like going to Moscow. Right. <laughs> like, like, so now is Hellboy out? Like everyone just knows everyone knows who he is now, right? I mean, right? That has to be the logical thing. But you're just kind of left the question. Like, right. are they gonna try to keep this myth alive? Is he just kind of like out now? If he is, shouldn't there be a conversation about what that means? Yeah. Another thing that I didn't understand is just a very basic question why was liz even going to moscow was it just because hellboy wanted her to did they ever explain that that's a good question like i don't recall or was it just like it was just like she's the love interest don't ask you know i think she didn't she say she's ready like i'm ready to be back with the team i can so there's a team okay so the team was sort of three of them yeah I think at one point it seems like it. Okay, I'll go with it. But I we don't, don't really see much of the history. Like it seems like she's in the hospital because of what happened when she was a little girl, right? Or at least that there were a few other instances after that that were similar. Yeah. Was she ever able to control it? Because then in the hospital she says, "I'm starting to control it," but then she can't. <laughs> yeah. Unless I, he hits her, that's problematic too. It is. And the other thing I didn't quite understand was even really. Why Bruin, they made it seem like he had to die. Like, this has to happen. He disclosed to me the child's true name. Would you like to know it? I know what to call him. I call him... Son. I'm ready. It'll be quick. And I'm like, what? Why? What? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> like, the, there was nothing. There was nothing for spiritual the about that. <laughs> for the for the hero's journey, I have the, to die because it's Act Four. <laughs> Now I'm not saying that they couldn't kill him, like, right. like, but the way he but just yeah. kind of sacrificed himself, right? Like, I don't even care, honestly. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> the other thing is though, when they get to Moscow and they're like, you know, in this mountain cave kind of thing, like, who set all those booby traps? Was that Nazis that did that? Was that like the underworld in the ancient days? Like, where was that coming from? At least in Indiana Jones, yeah, they talk about like the Ark of the Covenant is like that's yeah. some heavy shit, man. You don't look at that or you're gonna melt, you know. Right, or, or like right. they explain through like archaeology, this is how this world works. You know, in Last Crusade, they talk about how the knights set up this thing yes. for you to get to the Grail, and so you knew that going in. They just assume you're just gonna be cool with no explanation as to why yeah. everything is booby trapped. Yep, we don't know who made it hard. Although there are times where they're like, and then they survive. (laughs) (laughs) And am I thinking about it too much? Maybe, 
but I, that's what I'm thinking when I'm watching this. Yeah. And it's definitely taking me out of it because yeah. it's like, I don't get this world. Yeah, it, it feels like there's a good movie in there. <laughs> right. But we didn't see it. And I know, I don't know. I mean, our listener is going to be like, it's a comic book mo- movie, settle down. The, the thing is with Marvel, they take care of it by just saying, yeah, we know these people exist. I'm not looking for realism. No. I'm just looking for something that makes sense, you know? I I didn't know what we would talk about with this. Because I just, I, I I didn't feel much watching the movie. But what I'm what I'm really getting now is I'm I'm really sort of just bummed out Del Toro wasn't able to go where it seems like he wanted to. This is a guy making this movie with a genuine affection for the source material. Which I I, I actually do think comes through. Yeah. In yeah, the way I he's think so trying too. to explore yeah. the character of Hellboy. It's just everything about this movie is one way and another way. Like Del Toro feels like the perfect person to make this movie because he Mm -hmm. is so good at finding the humanity in the monster, in an ostracized character and exploring what the effect of their loneliness is and what they're doing to cope with the loneliness and everything. And you do get that with Hellboy, but at the same time, you've got, somebody who's a fan of the comic books and likes comic books for being comic books. And so tried to make it comic booky and they're not gelling very well. Um, and you've got somebody who's got this amazing vision. That's also really groundbreaking, not just in character design, but in scope of story and what you can do with a story and characters being like really constrained by the limits of sophistication with movies like this and with audiences. And, so any I feel like anything good about Hellboy that I see is more the promise of good that never really paid off. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to talk about, and it's interesting to think about, and it's uh, somewhat satisfying to wish what that movie would be. But ultimately, it makes watching Hellboy a pretty unfulfilling experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am trying to really place this in its time. You know, 2004. I mean, I could see going to the theater. I think I would have liked this movie more than I liked personally liked the Spider-Man movies. Uh, I think you would disagree with me on that. Not maybe. necessarily. No, I'm not a huge fan of the. Oh, okay. Spider-Man. I thought you were. Um, yeah. I, I just, I didn't like them that much. And I think I probably would have liked Hellboy more because to me, I would say this one's pretty close. No, that's what I mean. In league, yeah. Be- because I think it's actually not that different. Right. But it has those del Toro touches where yeah. I'd be like, yeah, you know, that can keep me in it a little bit yeah. more. And my sensibility know? is much more del Toro than it is Sam yes. Raimi. If you look at it from that angle and you're someone who really hasn't maybe rewatched it since then, you know, I don't think we mean to spoil your fondness no. for it. Um, I mean, if you're cool with the, because sometimes I'm cool with like, eh, I don't really care about that plot. That was fun to watch. Sure. That's a totally valid way to watch this movie. It's just not working for us. Before we watched this movie, we got a message from um, our listener, Eric, who always chimes in. And Mm -hmm. we love when he sends us his thoughts before. I like to read them even before I watch the movie. Um, And I don't think he's wrong at all when he says, you know, that he, he enjoys this movie very much. He said it was like the third time he had watched it. And he says there's a lazy, mumbly kind of lethargic vibe to the movie that I dig. Well, and that's to me where I was getting the idea of like the, the, the film noir private detective. Yeah. And I think that vibe happens 
a lot, but like we said, it's just really interrupted by its mm-hmm. obligation to the plot. You, you also have to keep in mind that even though Del Toro had made several movies up to this point, it still was 15 years ago, and he's made a lot more, and he's become right. a much more sophisticated filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Not just that he can, not just that he'll make Oscar-winning movies versus superhero movies, but I haven't seen Pacific Rim. But I I'd, be, I I'd, be, ask I'd be interested to know if Pacific Rim achieves that balance of character and plot yeah. better than Hellboy does. I guess in some worlds, it could work to make a movie that's about Nazis and demons and Rasputin and the occult and resurrected mechanical hearts and like a movie, like a series that can just throw so many ideas in there. To give it to somebody who would be like, yeah, I'm going to throw even more ideas at it. And like, it just doesn't come off. I think even Del Toro could have done it. It just needed to be tightened up in a lot of different places. He was so married to that visual that we talked about with the romance that he ended up injecting an entire tone that didn't need to be there. There was just a lot to this movie that I felt like just different decisions could have been made yeah. about what to show and what not to show. That you could have taken all that, what sounds like just throwing paint at the wall and seeing, or just, what's the metaphor? <laughs> throwing, throwing things at the throwing wall things and seeing yeah. You know, that's the way, the way you just listed out all that stuff. That's kind of what it sounds like. Right. I would trust Del Toro to make that work yeah. uh, visually. Yes. Maybe not story-wise. Right. You know, like they needed somebody to kind of tighten up the story and make the, just make the machinery of it work a little bit better. He, he you seems know? to be someone who has a hard time killing his darlings. It's always odd to me when we agree in a negative way about a movie to call ourselves best buds. But that's what we are. We're, we're sure. in agreement For on For the sake this. of this podcast and what this podcast's premise is. Yeah. We we are agree we we are we're not going to divide on the our movie. friendship yeah. yeah so so we're best buds on this that that this movie as in its current format we don't feel the need to see again yeah did we do a good enough job explaining how much we really do admire Guillermo del Toro and, and this movie and this like movie kind of apart it. from Guillermo del Toro like if you can divorce the two if you can separate them there is something about this movie that I'm like. I, I believe in you. I may have said this before, and this might be too strong. From the movie Junebug, where Amy Adams' character says, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. Hmm. That's sort of how I feel about Hellboy. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not mad at you for what you are, but I think there's so much more you could be. Mm-hmm. From what I've seen, the reboot is not is, that. Is, is not too- <laughs> Right. It's a regression. We're speaking out of ignorance on that. Really. We we are best buds in this uh about the movie as it is and as the movie could be. I don't know if I should move my rating to the three mm. from a two and a half because of what I think it could be. Mm. We might be approaching our star ratings from different places. It seems like it. I don't actually have that much of a care or interest in what it could be or what it will be in the future. It's just that there are glimmers of it and what we've seen from Guillermo del Toro post Hellboy. Yeah. It's just sort of like, oh, this movie came a little too early in your your career. Where I'm kind of seeing it your way is it's hard for me to kind of settle on a rating that is essentially what I give to throwaway movies I see like... sure that are just kind of mainstream blockbusters that are meant to be forgettable. Like for instance, I'm going to give this a three 
we, we did our episode on the Fast and the Furious movies. Since then, I have actually watched pretty much the whole series, and yeah. I will watch every one because I just have a lot of fun with those movies. Yeah. And so those actually, if you go through my letterbox, those all get three and a halves. So there's a little bit of a kind of like kind of above, yeah. Kind of like what what am I what am I saying here? I'm saying that this really isn't even as good as a movie that I recognize as just dumb fun. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go with a three star rather than a two and a half star for a bit of a, a bit of a callback to the beginning of the episode. My memory was that this was a four star movie based on my impression of my feelings mm-hmm. watching it. So basically, on a false past. I'm going to give it a three mm-hmm. based on an aspirational future for this movie. <laughs> All right. Okay? I, feel like we're, I feel like we're in like Looper or something right yeah, now. Yeah, something you know? like that. So since my thoughts going into the movie were of a false past, okay. my final rating is going to be based on Unhappy. a possible... Right. Maybe not future, because I don't think Guillermo del Toro's got another Hellboy in him. Almost like alternate universe right? kind of thing going a on. Possible, a possible alternative that this movie could have actualized. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it that three stars. Okay. I'm going to overrate it on an aspirational All right. belief of the possible world that this movie exists in. Okay. Which is funny because I'm going to keep mine at three stars, but it's more of a, you're, you're almost sort of like looking at it as mine's an ascending three. Yours right. is a descending right. three. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think we can still be best buds on this at the end I of think the day, so too. but I mean, according to our, according worth, to our podcast bylaws, right. We're ending on the same rating. It does not matter how we got there. Yeah. I mean, unless we amend those bylaws, uh, we kind of have to let that stay. I don't have the time to do no, that. No, I don't either. But we don't talk enough about, you know, how, especially I think when you get in that three-star range, how... Uh, it's always been the muddiest part of the contract muddy. for me. It's muddy. Because you come at a three-star in very different ways. Right. Uh, I come at a three-star from very different ways from the way I come at a three-star, you know? No. I from movie to, from, from oh, movie, okay. to yeah, movie yeah, yeah, it's yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, I know. We, we've never actually, uh, we will need to get that written down as a policy how to approach the three-star rating yeah i think i just don't feel like 2019 is the year for that no probably not but i'm glad that we can be best buds on this yeah and uh let our three stars stand but let it stand a little awkwardly (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think that's a good way to put it well with that said uh maybe we should uh talk a little bit about what we're gonna discuss in our next episode yeah all right, so next month we're looking to May. Yeah. Springtime. Yep. Also, and uh, I'm sure you're looking prom, forward to this. Yeah. Oh, prom. Yeah, right. Uh, actually, you're for, looking forward to prom? When the, so I'm just saying, it's the time of year. And actually, prom is tomorrow. Are you looking forward to it? I'm chaperoning it. And I am looking forward to it. It's at the Shed Aquarium. What? Yeah. Man, your school is so fancy. Yeah. But May is undeniably, aside from... School stuff. School I work at. School stuff. You got graduations. Prom you graduations. got proms. You AP got exams. Yeah. You got a lot of school. You know, school stuff. I don't know about you. Me? I, uh, let me finish. I don't know about you. <laughs> but I, and maybe it's just because I work in a school. I still carry the transition season anxiety of springtime. What anxiety are you speaking? You mean like going back to school after spring break? No, just the spring makes me anxious. Hmm. And I think it's probably because 
of school ending and like yeah. things wrapping up and I, I and just like the ending of that and like not seeing people or people leaving yeah. and like all that stuff I just still carry that yeah, stuff it's with in, me it's interesting that like New Year's is kind of the marker of the years but it almost feels like May and the end of the school year is more the transition into the next phase yeah. like the next thing for the even year. as adults certainly yeah. for me I work in a school so obviously but do you feel that as an adult who is not so closely tied to the school or is the fact that you work in a library and you get a lot more? We uh, get a busier big, in a the big summer. Shift, yeah, yeah, because everyone's not in school, right? <laughs> um, there's a lot of factors to this here yeah. because we. Well, let's we, unpack it. Well, all right, well, let's well get before, into before it. we even get to our movie, we're going to talk about. Let's talk about this completely unrelated yeah. thing having to do with seasons and changes. Let's and list it. Let's list it. What Can I, you come up with ten things? Oh, um, there's ten things that I like uh-huh about spring sure would would there would there be a list of 10 things that you hate about spring sure i could probably come up with 10 things i hate about spring i could try sure to also come what up if, with yeah 10 things what about I like say me about you me okay i don't know why you i would do that when i'm that. talking no. about spring no but, but now that you mention it, now that you mention... Could I come up with 10 things I hate about you? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? No, I'm not asking you, but, but I'm saying now that you mention it, why don't, we, uh, why, don't we, why don't we watch that movie? 10 things I hate about you? Yeah. All right, that sounds good. That's interesting because we were just... That was an unrelated conversation no, we, we were having. A, yeah, let's just do 10 things I hate about you. 10 things I hate about you, and then I will try to come up with that list before our I next mean, don't, epi- don't, don't go to any trouble. I won't be trouble. Uh, I mean, don't, don't even... <laughs> don't even... Don't even. I, I, I kind Don't of, even try. I kind, I kind of that already said that springtime gives me anxiety. Right. And uh, oh, okay. Let's go back to that. I so, wouldn't feel great about the fact that then you come with a uh, a list of ten things uh, at the end of five pages where you've <laughs> you've brainstormed <laughs> way more than ten things. I'm with you. I think around this time of year, we just have the idea of a chapter closing on our minds, and we're also looking back at maybe our teen experience as Mm -hmm. we think about the fact that school's wrapping up for all the kids even though i'm not personally in school right and also we live in the chicago area so the transition weather wise is very dram it's very dramatic yeah i always tell my students just in case somebody else feels it because i always felt like everybody was like spring is the greatest and i'm like isn't anybody just kind of nervous right now (laughs) why is it so warm that's so weird that doesn't mm, things just don't get warm without (laughs) wanting something from you that's an interesting idea. Things don't get warm unless it's <laughs> it's it's threatening you. Unless, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why are you so warm? <laughs> it's like, I don't trust like that a, guy. So I thought, Looks... first thing I thought when I pissed my pants. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of negative associations with things suddenly becoming like, warm. <laughs> I was definitely ahead of the curve in the uh, getting anxious about things getting warm. Now, mm. I, now everybody is getting concerned about yeah, it. You were definitely, and I'm like, where were you guys yeah. in 1999? But there was really something about lengthening days that, as a kid, just made me super anxious. Anxious. That's the word you. I. I. I would think happy. It made me so uneasy that the days were getting longer. You're hitting on something that I vaguely, kind of recall feeling as a kid. I think what it is is that with spring. There's some type of change that's going to happen, mm-hmm. whether it's that you're graduating school or, or whether it's just that you're, in, you're getting ready for summer break. And summer break should be great, but it's still change. Mm-hmm. 
And I was a kid. I was a kid. Maybe you were the same way where I really got attached to like my teacher yep. and got really Classmates. attached to my class. My routine. And my routine. Yes. Very much about routine. And there was something about spring that signaled all of that was going to change. And summer was exciting. But then you knew the next year you were going to be in a grade that was going to be entirely foreign. Yeah. And if you're thinking that far ahead, which I often did as well. Yeah, I'm a thinker and always have been. <laughs> like there were nights when my parents would be like, why can't our son sleep? And, so, and all I could tell them is my brain won't stop. I had trouble sleeping as a kid too. Oh, wow. Really bad. And I remember back in the day when TV would stop. Yeah. And I remember thinking as soon as that happened, I'd get really anxious. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I am up so late that TV isn't even on anymore. <laughs> And it's it's interesting. I think you're absolutely right. That that things that are familiar are ending. Things that are coming could be great, but they're just unknown. unknown. I kind of see what you mean with just it, it. It's part anxiety. It's part sadness. Because even as a parent now with kids, you know my boys are going to be wrapping up preschool, mm -hmm. so they're entering into mm -hmm. new chapters. And there's a sadness as a parent with. And that you as think well. my son being born in the spring isn't going to make me sad? Oh, every man. every spring now brings a new age for him. And my daughter is born in June, so not far Just after don't, that. No reading. I'll love you forever during oh, this season. Man. Can't do it. I won't. Well, okay, but ten things I hate about you. Yeah, that's, I mean that's, that's a, a bright that's spot. A, that's a fun movie. Maybe. And it is we'll centered around it. prom, right? Like, isn't, isn't there something well, that's about, the whole, like, he, that's the he has point. to ask her to prom? Yeah. It, I was thinking about how warm things are always a sign suspect. of threat. And yeah. Suspect and always a sign of change. Maybe climate change is really just us evolving into the next grade. Uh, like, we're getting all worked up and anxious about this whole globe-destroying thing. Sure. And really, we're just kind of graduating. growing. Gra graduating. Yeah, we're just graduating. And maybe there will be a prom of some sort. Where we, where we <laughs> all, nobody's really, where we all yeah. spend a lot of money and go That's like, the question you know. <laughs> nobody's asking. <laughs> right, and you have change. to wonder why. Because yeah. once you ask it, you're like, that's the only logical question. Right, right. Look, every other experience of mine says that if when the, the weather starts ending, getting warmer, and the world, prom's coming, yeah. we're going to graduate, and then we're moving on to better And life things. as we know it is going to change. Yeah. Where's prom? Right. Something to, keep in mind, to mind, think about, something yeah. to keep in mind for the listeners yeah. and for you. And wow. I think we're going to figure out this whole thing and, and, and put a real positive spin on Through climate change. 10 things I hate about you. That's definitely worth discussing about yeah. further. Um, and, Probably sparked uh, a lot of thoughts in you. Yeah. The listener. Yeah. And uh, I, we, I think we would, we would both love to hear those thoughts. And there's a lot of ways that uh, you can also get in contact with Appropriately, us. Appropriately, yeah. Uh, so why don't we just kind of run down those real quick. Uh, one of which is Facebook. Right. Can We Still Be Friends podcast. Yep. Our website, canwestillbefriends.net. Yeah. Probably should have said that one first. I don't, I don't know. Why would I lead off with Facebook? That's not where our podcast is. No, it's not. We should have said, in no particular order. Right. Okay. In you no got Facebook. Facebook, website. Website. Email. email. Feedback at canwestillbefriends.net. Yep. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I still haven't... We haven't shut down our Twitter. Yeah, our Twitter's still there. We haven't really been active on it. We also have where you can give us a call and uh, leave us a voice message. The number you can call is 847-306-9532. Tell us about your uh, anxiety. Maybe you got a list of uh, 10 things you hate about us. Oh, yeah. And uh, as you know, we are not anxious, and that will not bother us no, in the slightest. No, not at all. And hopefully the sun will be setting, and I'll, I'll see how far I can get down the list without crying. <laughs> I can't end that on this note. So Go ahead and try to end it. I will keep telling you I cried at a sunset <laughs> when I was in fifth grade, and I couldn't explain why. 
Oh, man, and I'm laughing about it. You, you sure are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with that said... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do appreciate we, we everybody do appreciate, who yes. listens, everybody who reaches out. Uh, Anyone so, who's so still with us at this yeah. point, man, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> we'll you, catch you next time. You've earned it. So. <laughs> All right, we'll see you.